The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. More than 40% of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Merrill Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care, with guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Merrill Griff. Welcome to Caught Between Generations. I'm Dr. Merrill, and I'm here with my special co-host, Deanna Albrecht. Hi. It's so great for you to join me again today. I'm really happy about it, and I'm really happy for our listeners that they're joining us again today. We know as caregivers how busy and stressed and overwhelmed you are, so we always appreciate your sharing your time with us. So we have a question we want to pose to you today, and that is, you know, as a caregiver, what are the two things that create the most angst for you? I mean, think about it for a minute. So for me, it's cleaning and organizing but it's also cooking, all right? Now, I know some people find cooking very relaxing and they find it a lot of fun. I mean, my daughter-in-law just loves it when I'm at the house and I take the kids so she can just cook. She loves it. I mean, it just takes all the tension away from the day. Me, it just makes me more tense and more stressed, um, except for holiday cooking. So, Deanna, how do you, are you, are you the same? Are you different? How do you like cooking? <laughs> we, you know, cooking doesn't really bother me so much. What really bothers me is, um, uh, well, dishes <laughs> 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 and really organizing and cooking doesn't bother me. I don't love it. I don't find it relaxing. Actually, I find it a little stressful because usually I'm waiting for the food to get done, but it, it doesn't really um, relax me. All right. Well, some of us love it. Some of us don't. But it's a reality of life and Mm -hmm. food is important. So we want you to take a minute. All right. And as long as you're not driving, we want you to close your eyes for a minute. Just sit back, close your eyes for a minute. Take a deep breath. Breathe in and out through the nose, a nice yoga breath, all right? (laughs) And I want you to visualize a fond memory that you have that has to do with food or with cooking. Something fond, something that makes you feel warm, something that makes you feel relaxed, all right? Can you see it? Can you visualize it? Do you see it? Are you feeling better? Okay. All right. (laughs) Open your eyes. Okay. So today's guest is the award-winning cookbook author and writer, Raquel Pelzel. Most recently, she co-authored the award-nominated Breaking Brits with Yuri Sheft and is currently working with Zach Posen and David Burka on cookbooks. Very, very impressive, Raquel. So 
Raquel, would you share with us one of your fondest food memories? Oh, I will. Um, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to um, to be talking to you today. And I love that exercise. I closed my eyes, and the first thing that popped into my head was cooking with my great grandmother, my nana. Um, we used to make cookies together, and we stuffed peppers together, and um, that was just the best. See, and my 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 memories of her showing up at my maternal grandmother's house, and she always had I don't know why, but it was in the oven, which was not turned on, but like a whole tray filled with nothing but cookies. See to this oh. day, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and you love your cookies. I still love my cookies. Right. See. <laughs> so Raquel, you write a lot about you know, creating meals, you know, that are really good meals, but how ways in which you can do it to save money. So mm-hmm. our question is, how do you save money and still create, you know, nutritional dishes? I mean, how do you do that? Sure. Um, one thing that I've been doing a lot in my home kitchen over the past couple of years is to um, push meat to the side of the plate meaning that in the center of my plate, I have really healthy and nutritious whole grains like um, brown rice or um, couscous or whole wheat couscous or uh, quinoa, things like that, Um, and then focusing more on vegetables, um, making really great um, what you would consider the side dishes, making those more of what's in the center of my plate, And then when I want to cook meat, buy a small piece of something that's really beautiful and delicious and humanely raised and comes from, you know, hopefully a local farm. Um, But that's also something that I split between my boys and myself. So it's something I actually learned from my grandmother. And I remember, you know, um, I actually lived with my, my grandparents for a while when I was in middle school with my mom. And my, then my baby brother and my grandma used to take, um, you know, a steak and split it up into like three pieces. And in my head as a little girl, I'd be like, oh, here's grandma divvying up the meat again. You know, is this going to be, is this a bad month for grandpa or, you know, something like that? <laughs> um, but she was really giving us each what we needed to have, you know, um, enough protein, a small portion, and it was just enough. And um, it was just enough to get, you know, satisfied without overdoing it. And it was very cost effective. And I do that, you know, now with the boys. If, you know, one of them is craving, you know, steak, I'll buy, you know, a really nice piece of meat. And maybe I'll do this like once a month or something. And then we each have, you know, a few bites, you know, a few bites off of one large steak. And, and that's kind of it. But lentils are incredibly inexpensive really easy to cook, really delicious and flavorful. Even people who say they don't like beans usually love lentils. Um, so I, I do a lot of lentils. I do a lot with, um, with beans and tofu and, and stuff like that. So that's one of my, one of my tactics. So I really like that idea because actually what comes to mind is that kids and seniors do better when there's less on their plate. So... Mm-hmm. Not putting necessarily, I hadn't thought about it before, like a huge hamburger or a whole steak on their plate right. would, actually, would actually be better for them. And they would tend to probably eat more 
Um, so I think that's a great idea. Raquel, where do you stand on organic foods? Because organic foods tend to be more expensive. It's true. Um, I buy them when I can, not all the time. And I'm also very conscious about, you know, for me, buying something that's organic, um, if I'm going to be peeling it, like, say, a banana, if the organic is on sale, then I'll usually buy it because I'm thinking about, uh, you know, the farmers and the people who usually, you know, especially like fair trade bananas or, you know, where they, where they treat the farmers and the growers quite well in, in um, purchasing, purchasing prices and things of that nature. Um, but if it's something, you know, like, say, um, an onion, well, I might not, you know, a, a conventionally grown onion might be okay. If it comes to scallions, well, I might try to get something organic. Most times, um, it's it's not a whole lot more expensive. It's like 30 to 50 cents more, which um, for me, that's, that's okay. Um, if I buy something that's not organic, I just make sure to wash it really well, you know, to, to really do a good job in getting all the dirt out and, and trying to clean everything as much as possible. There's some fruits and vegetables that do, just by the nature of them, they absorb more water and they absorb more from the ground, like um, strawberries, for example. I think that's one of the, the foods that's best to buy organic um, when you can, you know. And, and honestly, I don't buy strawberries when they're not, in um, when they're not in season because they're so much more expensive. So, you know, when strawberries come into season, that doesn't mean I'm, I rarely go to the farmer's market because, honestly, I just don't have time. And on the weekends, I'm chasing my kids around and I'm doing all kinds of other things. And if I can get a trip to the farmer's market in, it's kind of like a, a miracle. <laughs> um, but, you know, even when strawberries are in season, they're cheaper at the grocery store. Um, so, you know, I'll go crazy for a month or two with buying strawberries and I'll buy them and freeze them to have in the winter and to have later, um, when I can really enjoy them. And when they're not in season and really expensive, I try not to use them. I try to use other things. Let's talk about meal planning because meal planning is the one thing that kind of stresses me out too. I mean, recently mm-hmm. I've gone to using one of those services where they send you, you know, like three meals for the week that are not cooked, mm-hmm. you know, but you have all the ingredients there. Yeah. And, and I feel so much better because I don't have to think about what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. I don't have to think about what I have to buy. Deanna's laughing at me. You guys can't <laughs> see it, but she's laughing at me. All right. It's true. It just makes me feel better. So, I was thinking about the importance of meal planning, and I understand it's important. But, for instance, let me give you an example of someone I know who has three children. I mean, they're all running in different directions, okay? And she's talking about that, you know, her mother's screaming at her, you know, you don't right, you don't put good meals on the table for the children. And she's like throwing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at them at the back seat. <laughs> and she's moving to pick somebody up at soccer and take somebody else to baseball. And she's like, oh, you know, how do you really do good meal planning, you know, with with these kinds of hectic schedules that, number one, don't completely stress you out and make mm-hmm. you eat all those cookies in the pan, you know? <laughs> and And second of all, you know, do it in a way that you still are doing good, nutritious meals for your children. Do you have any tips for us for that? Sure. Um, there's, well, there's a whole there, there are a bunch of different ways to approach meal planning. Um, one way is, you know, in the beginning of the week, usually on um, Saturday. Um, I don't wait till Sunday. Usually on Saturday, I'll, I'll think about 
not what I want to eat the next week, but what we have going on and how much time realistically I have to devote to cooking. Um, so, you know, every day there's different challenges. Um, I'm a freelance writer, so sometimes I work from home. Sometimes I'm out at, with a chef all day or at, at, you know, like Zach Posen's house all day cooking with him. And, and I get home and I spent all day cooking, but yet I have nothing to eat when I get home. <laughs> nothing to eat with <laughs> my family. You know, it's this catch-22. So so a lot of times what I do is I think about not, not what's on sale at the grocery store and not like, oh, in a perfect universe, this is what we eat this week. It's like, okay, realistically, I know that my one son has a baseball game and another son has tennis practice and, you know, then I'm going to be working late on this day. Like, what's, what's realistic and what can we do? Um, I try to plan out three meals for sure, like so I'll think about, okay, this day, if I have a half hour, 45 minutes, you know, maybe I'm making like um, a stir fry or, you know, just like a throw in the pan kind of meal. I use, I actually have a book coming out in the fall all about sheet pan cooking and sheet pans are an amazing tool to use for simple, fast weeknight cooking. Throw stuff on the sheet pan, put it in the oven, 40 minutes later, it's done. Um, so I'll usually do like two meals that are pretty hands-off and easy for me. Um, sometimes, if I'm really thinking in advance, I'll, like, chop up my ingredients on Sunday when I get home from the store so that it's really grab-and-go so you don't have to stress out about all of the work that comes before cooking. Um, and you can just kind of get to it sometimes in the morning. If I have a minute, my kids are actually, like, getting themselves dressed and things that are <laughs> that they should be doing but, you know, sometimes don't. Um, I'll take a second and I'll pull out not anything refrigerated, but I'll pull out spices or I'll pull out, you know, any cans of tomatoes or cans of beans or anything I can get out of the pantry, like onto my um, island, my kitchen island, so that when I get home in the evening, I have my ingredients staring me in the face. So it's not, it doesn't seem like you're starting with a blank slate. You know, you're kind of coming home and you're seeing immediately, you can just jump right into what you need to do. Um, I also try to plan in one day a week. That's like a pantry day. So that would mean that's pasta, you know, either pasta with a very quick tomato sauce that I make just with by sauteing some garlic, adding a can of tomatoes, a couple chopped basil leaves, and some salt. Like so much cheaper than buying a jar of ready-made sauce. So much less sodium in it, you know, and it tastes fresher too. Um, but I also always have a backup jar of sauce in my pantry because there's some days when I can't, you know, all I can do is open the jar and, and put it on some pasta and maybe I'll roast some cauliflower, you know, in the oven or I'll, or I'll blanch some green beans in boiling water. And that's like a very easy, fresh thing you can have on the table so that, you know, when you do the pasta with the jar of tomato sauce, well, there's a vegetable on the side, you know, too. Um, so those are a, a couple of things that I do. Um, and I also try to give myself a little bit of leeway so that, you know, if you plan out your week too much, inevitably what happens, what happens with me at least is I become guilty because I have all this food in the fridge and, you know, things got out of my control and I ordered pizza one night and I ordered, you know, um, delivery Indian food one night and then I have all this food that's going bad in my fridge and to me that makes me stressed out more than anything is knowing that I'm being wasteful um, so that's why I only try to plan out like three meals of the week and usually I try to make extra so that I have some like leftover roast vegetables are great to throw in pasta 
or, you know, a little bit of leftover soup or chili from one night, well, you can, you know, put that over rice another night and, and you have a really delicious party, you know, dinner or lunch or something like that. Raquel, those are great, great tips. We're going to have to, unfortunately, take a short break. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Raquel about, you know, how do grandparents and grandchildren uh, create wonderful memories with cooking? So stay with us. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Where's your mom? What's she doing? You'd know if she was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know she's enjoying a full day of activities program just for her interests, like art classes, volunteering, pet care, and card club. And she's home by dinner. And what's different is that Sarah Care actually has nursing care right there with her. So you'd know. Try one free day of care at Sarah Care. Call 330-451-6108. How's your mom? She's just fine at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. How's your husband now that he can't quite take care of himself? Or how's your wife now that getting around isn't as easy as it used to be? You'd know if your spouse was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. A full day of customized activities and their home by dinner. And nursing care that's right there with them. How's your spouse? Just fine at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Try it for free. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities and home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-Care.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. Deanna and I are here with Raquel Pazell, and we've been having great conversations about Great tips for meal planning and also how to have great meals and save money at the same time. I will tell you that on our short break when we were offline, I was telling them that I have a friend who said, when we turn 80, if we get to 80, we're all having donuts every day. (laughs) (laughs) So much for nutrition. Who cares? (laughs) So... Raquel, let's talk about grandparents and grandchildren and how they can make memories together. 
uh, through cooking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, my dad, he uh, lived with us for a while um, when the boys were a couple years ago and they were a bit younger. And he used to, unfortunately, he passed, which was very sad. But we have amazing memories that we still talk about. And, of course, it all revolves around food. Um, when my dad would cook with the boys and talk about food and tell stories about what, you know, I used to like when I was a little girl and and, and then I would say, oh, yeah, Dad, you made the best, you know, broiler, chicken legs. And then the boys would be like, well, we want those. And then my dad would be really excited about sharing this memory and also sharing it with the boys the recipe. And then they would make it together. And, and it became a very special thing. And I found that the boys were more excited to try unusual things if um, their grandfather had a story to go along with it. And I kind of feel like it's it's a little bit of a romance, you know, like when you go into a fancy gourmet shop and there's those little signs with the cheese that say, oh, this cheese came from the hills of France and was made by a shepherd, has <laughs> been the family for five generations. You're like, oh, that cheese is wonderful. You know, it's kind of the same thing with a little bit of backstory. Before you know it, my kids were coming home from school saying, can we have sardines just like Grandpa makes? <laughs> so funny. <laughs> The craziest things. Um, so I think that's, I think just, you know, starting conversations and a little bit of reminiscing goes a really long way. You know, actually, I hadn't thought about it till this moment, but um, on holiday time, I, I've made some recipes with my own granddaughter that I used to make with my grandmother. And when I first began mm-hmm. doing that, when she got old enough, I showed her pictures of my grandmother, who mm-hmm. would be her great, great great grandmother um and i told her all her stories about my grandmother um and things we had cooked together and now i said lily here we are now you know all these women have made this recipe through the years and now you and i are going to do this Uh, it was was great yeah Yeah, very profound it's a very centering moment when that happens it is. And, you know, I was going to say that I had just saw a meme that said one of the problems today is that no one shells beans with grandma anymore. Oh. <laughs> you know, and that's yeah. really sad after, you know, but people are still doing it. Right. And we, we need to continue to do it. It's really important. No, 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 yeah. no, no, you're absolutely right. So you've given us such great tips, Raquel. Give us a quick little tip, two quick little tips. One is on what's your favorite go-to snack for kids that's healthy, but it's a, it's a snack. Yeah. And we can throw at them in the middle seat of the car. <laughs> I was going to say, we're tired of string cheese in our house as a snack. So we need ideas. Well, my boys, this kind of goes along. I don't know if, if your kids like um, tuna. My kids love tuna. And I know that's not every kid's thing, but... Um, I usually have a couple of cans in the pantry and um, some tuna with some, uh, I think all kids like um, salty things. So uh, capers or chopped up like little, those little cornichon pickles or something like that. Usually I'll um, get some, I, have, I usually use oil packed tuna because I find that the flavor is a little more mellow um, mm. with some salt, a squeeze of lemon, some pickles or capers mixed in and that on crackers and the boys are like ridiculously happy. Um, they also love cucumbers cucumber slices and instead of salt I do soy sauce 
um, which is, you know, still taps into that little bit of salty, but it's a vegetable. And, and I feel like, you know, soy is, is the gateway ingredient to so many other fun flavors and um, dishes. So once they I've like heard of that. soy, then before you know it, they'll be doing, you know, maki rolls with soy and then they, then they go into all, all other directions. Um, so those are both a couple, those are a couple of nice, healthy um, things that, that I like to have handy. So the next tip I want to ask you about is, you know, it's nice to include children um, in the meal planning and also the prep. But what are your suggestions for including young children in a way that you don't kill them in the process? My eyes got really big. We would never kill our children. It's a few dumb duck. We've all, for those of us who have children, we all know that moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, when you think about it, you would never do it, but you would certainly think about it. So, how do you do? How do you include them without screaming at them? Okay, or, or trying to do that? Trying to do it for them? Correct. Yeah. yeah. I know when my kids cook with me and they start making a mess, it's like I'm cringing on the inside. I'm like, no, 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 don't spill, don't spill. Um, I think it's I think it's letting go a little bit and realizing that you know what they're going to spill and it's going to get a little messy. But then then you can teach them the art of cleanup and you know using a sponge. <laughs> that's, that's almost as important as as cooking. Um, so I find that uh, measuring especially if baking, um, you know, measurements have to be very precise, especially when it comes to, you know, flour and baking powder. And and kids don't always get the measuring cup full and they don't always measure um, perfectly. So I like to show once and then they do it. So, you know, show what I mean. And like, like this is how you stick the cup in the flour and then you, you know, level off the top. Um, Or I'll pre-measure and just have them dump everything into a bowl. And that's probably a good tactic with much younger children. Children like three-year-olds or even four-year-olds is, um, you know, they just want to be whisking. They just want to be stirring, you know, um, and having fun um, on that level. Um, as far as using knives, I think that can happen, um, you know, around eight. Uh, I, I show the boys, you know, what the claw hand is and how to cut and how to, you know, keep your fingers out of the way and, you know, respect for the knife and do it slowly and keep your eye on the ball and all that kind of stuff so that no one gets hurt. Um, I think another great way to get kids involved in cooking is to ask them what they want to make, you know? Um, sometimes I'll just hand one of the boys, I have an 11-year-old and a 7-year-old, and I'll hand them a cookbook, and I'll say, whatever you want to make, we're making, and it gives them freedom and control, and you'd be surprised at the things that they'll point out. Um, and, you know, then we go shopping for that recipe together, we talk about it, we read the recipe headnote and talk about if it comes from a certain part of the world, or, you know, it really gets them uh, involved, and it creates some ownership, and then when it comes out of the oven, even if it's like Brussels sprouts, they're so excited to try it, because they're the ones who picked it out, you know, it's, it's their little universe, um, so that's another great, another great tactic. Raquel, it has been so great having you on the show. Um, it, oh, thank you. We, we've learned a lot. So give us your contact information and tell us about your new book coming out. Sure. Um, uh, you can get me on my website. It's Raquel, R-A-Q-U-E-L, Pelzel, P-E-L-Z-E-L dot 
Um, and you'll find all the books that I'm working on and some recipes and all kinds of fun information. Um, and I have a couple of books coming out, actually. Um, and in July, there's a book that I co-wrote with Fidella Marley, Bob Marley's daughter, and it's all about um, Jamaican cooking and food. It's really fun. And uh, if anyone's a big Bob Marley fan, yeah, it's a great book. And then in the beginning of October, October 3rd, my third book comes out, which is called um, Sheet Pan Supper's Meatless. So it's all about easy weeknight recipes. You can throw on a sheet pan, stick in the oven, pull out, have dinner, and they're meat-free. So, And I, I've paid very close attention to making sure that these are balanced meals. So you're not going to be eating a giant bowl full of, you know, beans. <laughs> It'll be, it'll be a composed, you know, composed dinner that's interesting and varied and exciting and totally doable. And there's, of course, a lot of breakfasts and some desserts as well. And then at the end of October, my other book comes out that I co-wrote with uh, Zach Posen. And that's, um, Zach is one of the, um, the fashion designers um, on Project Runway, and he has his own lines, and he's an incredibly talented, great cooks and he has a really interesting palate and cooks food from all over the world and uh, you know anything from ball gown type recipes that require several days to make to very quick and easy 20 minute in and out of the oven Tuesday night dinners. Oh. Uh, Raquel, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's very exciting, and I really look forward to the books coming out, especially the one sheet yeah, me uh, too. without the meat. So that's perfect. Raquel Pelzel, thank you so much for being with us. Thank today. you, Raquel. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Thank you. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. How's your husband now that he can't quite take care of himself? Or how's your wife now that getting around isn't as easy as it used to be? You'd know if your spouse was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities, a full day of customized activities and their home by dinner and nursing care that's right there with them. How's your spouse? Just fine at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Try it for free. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Where's your mom? What's she doing? You'd know if she was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know she's enjoying a full day of activities program just for her interests, like art classes, volunteering, pet care, and card club. And she's home by dinner. And what's different is that Sarah Care actually has nursing care right there with her. So you'd know. Try one free day of care at Sarah Care. 
Call 330-451-6108. How's your mom? She's just fine at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drmerrill at caughtbetweengenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. I'm Dr. Merrill, and I'm here with my brilliant co-host, Deanna Albrecht. (laughs) Hi. So... The question for this part of the show becomes, why can't we get organized? You know, some of us actually are fairly organized, and then suddenly something happens in our lives. Our caregiving responsibilities change. We suddenly become a parent or a grandparent, or we're caring for a parent or a spouse. You know, maybe perhaps you have a new job or you've just moved. Whatever it is, you suddenly are feeling overwhelmed and you feel like you're just living in chaos. For some of us, lack of organization is just a chronic condition. It's been going on forever and ever, and we just can't seem to get ourselves out of it. Joining us is Amanda Sullivan, who has been a professional organizer for nearly 20 years. She is the author of Organized Enough, the Anti-Perfectionist Guide to Getting and Staying Organized. And I will tell you, I've read a lot of books on organization, but I found this extremely interesting because Amanda has actually applied some of the principles of neuroscience to the art of living clutter-free. Mm. So, Amanda, we're very excited that you're joining us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So, Amanda, the name of your business is actually The Perfect Daughter. I yeah. mean, that's an interesting name for an organizational coach. I mean, what's the connection between what you do and the name of your business? Well, when I first started, conceived of my business, it was really as a Gal Friday business where I would sort of do everything that your daughter would do for you if she wasn't, you know, in another state or didn't have her own family or wasn't running a big company or, you know, everything. So in the beginning, it was more of a Gal Friday thing, but then I pretty quickly realized that where my real strengths and where the real needs were, uh, were in the organizational area of that. And in the beginning, I was younger. Most of the clients were sort of my mother's age. And now it's changed, and I have clients who could be my daughters and sons. So, you know, uh, join the crowd. On. <laughs> so you have, you talk a lot in your book about changing your mindset and changing habits, um, and that it's really important to kind of change your mindset to not being so perfect. And so you have a, a chart in your book on that you divide up between perfectly organized and organized enough. Mm-hmm. I love this section of your okay. book, all right? So... Let me give an example. Okay, so perfectly organized is the caregiver who has, whether it's for senior or for kids, has lots of papers that they have in a in a binder and everything is tabbed and they have 
clear sheets. They put everything in and they basically drive. I've seen it so many times. They drive themselves crazy, literally, trying to keep all of this perfectly, perfectly organized. Mm -hmm. All right. So what would be organized enough? Okay. So anytime I'm organizing papers or anything else, I'm always asking myself, what's the end game? When when am I going to want to retrieve these papers? How organized do they have to be? Now, I really am not a fan of binders. And in general, sometimes they can be okay, but generally they're sort of too much work. So I really prefer file folders in general um, because file folders, you just drop in the piece of paper. You don't have to open the whole thing. You don't have to have desk space. You know, if your file cabinet is is not too crowded, which is how it should be, uh, you can just lean over and drop it in the appropriate file. And then if you need that paper, and lots of times you really don't, uh, you'll be easily able to retrieve it. And I'd even say, you know, sometimes people make too many categories, whereas I'll say even if you have to look in two different file folders, even if you can't remember, did I file that under A or B, even if you look in two file folders and neither of them is overflowing, it will only take two minutes rather than having a, you know, 50 files that each have two pieces of paper in them. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes mm-hmm. over-complicating your, your tabs or your whatever is just as uh, bad as having huge fat files. So I would like to file folders, label them clearly. Like I tend to put, you know, I'll have a Pendaflex, like a hanging file that says insurance. And within that I might have homeowners and uh, auto and umbrella. Then I might have another thing that was... Um, that was medical, keeping medical separate. And uh, I like to have very general categories, always with the end game in mind. Like for medical, I often tell people, there are the medical files you keep forever, like the surgery you have, and then the ones you can throw out at the end of the year, like what you paid, you know, that you're just keeping track of to see if you need to get deducted off your taxes this year. So they have a different uh, lifespan. Yeah, you know, I was going to say that I am so glad that you said... um, that sometimes you you can't find where you put your paper, which file, <laughs> because I know right. sometimes that's what I do. I'm not really sure which file I put pa- my paperwork in. Right. And so now, and and some and here's the thing: I have clients who have in the past wanted to double file something. Like I have mm-hmm. some clients who do research and stuff. So say they do research on alternative medicine and cancer. So they have an article on Reiki and cancer. So they might want to make a copy and put one in the Reiki file and one in the cancer file. And I say, no, just put one in the one that you think it's mostly about. And then if you have to look in both, that's okay. But otherwise, if you start making duplicates, your files are just going to get exponentially bigger right away. Whereas Mm -hmm. my idea is, you know, keep it lean, keep what you need. But part of my book is talking about systems, and part of systems are that eventually everything leaves. So no matter how many years you keep your medical paperwork or your tax, there should always be an end game so that you're always making space, you know, after three years or seven years or however, so that you've got new new space to, or, you know, one year for a lot of things um, to fill so that there's sort of a set amount of room and you're always getting rid of so you're never overflowing. So let me try another one. And um, one of the reasons I asked Deanna to join me is because she is younger than I am. Her children are younger than I am. So we are of different generations. So this one really kind of speaks to the different generations. So one of your perfectly organized um, examples was installing and maintaining a to-do app on your smartphone. (laughs) Right. 
this is a conversation you can tell. Deanna and I have had a lot. So what is your organized enough? Well, I just, I mean, I do believe I use my smartphone. I love my smartphone, but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing I'm between your two ages. So sometimes it just takes longer for me to do things on my smartphone. And also, I think that there is something about the brain-hand connection that when I write down my to-do list, it's better for me. Now, I do sometimes, I have one I keep in my phone because if I think of something when I'm out on the street or whatever, I have one there or something that I'm going to do when I'm out, I keep it in my phone. Um, but if I'm sitting down at my desk for a day of things I'm going to do at my desk, I prefer to just have a handwritten list. And I also think there's, you know, there's something very satisfying about crossing things off. It's sort of depressing on the iPhone when, or whatever <laughs> phone you have when you just delete it and then it's like it was never there. Whereas if you write a whole long paper list, and then you cross things off at the end of the day. You look and you say, oh, my goodness, look at all those things I crossed off my to-do list. And, of course, mm-hmm. it may have continued to grow because as you're working, you're thinking of other things you need to do. So it continues to grow, but at least you can see that you've done a lot, you know, and that's encouraging. <laughs> I, think, I think we need encouragement. Right. very hard. <laughs> so, so the point is, and, and I think it's a great point that you make, Amanda, it, in this chart is, and there are lots of other examples, I mean, and we were not going to go through them all, is that perfection is not really what the goal is. So perfectly organized will will just stress us out. And well, it'll you stress could, you out, and it's never achievable, and people really get hung up in the minutiae. I always say, well, what's the end game? When are you going to want to retrieve that paper? How can, what, is the, what is the most elegant thing? What is the simplest way we can get from A to B without making it about organizing? I mean, you don't want your life to be about organizing, right? You want your life to be about all the things that you'll be able to do if you could find everything, you you know, if you could find your ski boots, if your bills were paid on time, if all of these things ran like clockwork, then you would have more time to do the things you do that you love. I look, mm-hmm. I, I could mm-hmm. do all that. I just need a wife. That's the essence of my problems in life. I'm <laughs> telling you, a big part of it has to do with the women's movement because, you know, people used to have secretaries and wives. And they don't have, so everybody has to be organized all by themselves now. And so without that support system, so we have to do it ourselves. And we have two career couples and, you know, it's a lot of organizing. So, Amanda, a large part of this means that you're kind of changing. You're breaking old habits and you're forming new ones. I mean, it's very, very difficult for people to do that. So how do you help people change their habits and their routines? So so as you mentioned, in part, the first half of the book, I like to change the way people think about things because sometimes people just have been sort of stuck in one way of thinking, and I don't believe we can really change till we sort of have altered or opened our minds a little bit to you know, a different way of thinking about it. But then the second half of the book is about new habits you can develop. And as you mentioned in the opening, there's some neuroscience now about how we develop habits, and it's cue and then the routine or the habit and then a reward. So what I like to do with clients is, you know, they tend to have areas that are sticky, areas that are their problem areas. So if the mail is already piled up on the kitchen counter and it always seems to end up there, why? What cue can we change when they bring in the mail? Where are we going to put it? What's the system going to be? And then I say, just so we, maybe we make a desk area that didn't exist before. Maybe we, you know, turn a file cabinet that was in the living room into sort of a desk area. And I say, okay, the mail's going to come here, and we're going to put a recycling bin underneath. But every day when you walk in with the mail, you aren't going to walk straight into the kitchen because that's what you've always done. 
you're going to walk, make a right and go into the living room and put it here. And then you aren't going to sort of open it up while you're eating a snack. You're going to go back into the kitchen, have your snack, and then when you come back, you're really going to sit down. So this is a whole thing, but it's going to take a month to sort of break yourself. So I say just focus on that one thing. It seems tiny. It seems like, well, that's easy. I'm just going to drop the nail there, and that's no big deal. But it is a big deal because it's something you've been doing for years and years maybe without thinking about it. So I say really concentrate on one habit for a month till it's really, you know, becomes automatic. Because once you don't have to think about it, then when things get stressful, when it's vacation, when, you know, something's different, you know, then you'll still stick with it. Whereas if it's just fragile, you'll drop it the minute things get tough. We're talking to Amanda Sullivan, who is the author of Organized Enough, the Anti-Perfectionist Guide to Getting and Staying Organized. When we return, we'll be talking to Amanda about a system she's developed called Flow. Stay with us. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Where's your dad? What's he doing? You'd know if he was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know he's enjoying a full day of cooking, computers, yoga, golfing, and he's home by dinner. You'd know Sarah Care LPN and RN Nursing Care is with him to ensure he gets the right medications at the right dosages. You'd know. How's your dad? He's just fine. At Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. At SarahCare, we provide daytime activities and health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain in involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. I am Dr. Merle, and I'm here with my co-host, Deanna Albrecht, and with Amanda Sullivan, who is a professional organizer and an organizer coach who's wrote written a great book that integrates into it principles of neuroscience, the becoming organized and changing habits, and learning how being perfect is not achievable, and it doesn't really help you out. So, Amanda, before we uh, broke, I introduced your concept of flow. Can you explain that to us? So, flow is the, the 
sort of cornerstone of organizing for me. So it stands, it works on two levels. It, it stands for forgive yourself, let stuff go, organize what's, le- what's left, and weed constantly. And that's sort of what you're always going to go back to in any room, in any area, whether it's paper or clothes or kids' toys, anything, you can apply that. And people say, well, forgive yourself. What does that have to do? But it goes to this idea of perfection. People think their houses should look like, you know, real simple or some fancy design blog. And they don't. They just need to be, you know, working for you. They, it needs to be where you can find what you need, where you're not, you know, losing stuff and... And, in, and also, your house should be serene and make you feel good, not depressed. Um, but then also, flow stands for flowing. Like, I want your home to be like a healthy body. Things come in, things go out. There isn't stagnancy. There isn't uh, constriction. You know, when houses are too cluttered, you have to, you know, turn carefully so you don't knock over piles or, you know, hallways become narrower. So I like to think of your body and your home as being the same. And so you should have flow. So that's, that's flow. I like that. I especially like your first thing, um, which is the F, which stands for forgive yourself. Um, I think it's a message for a lot of things in life, just not organizing. So thank you for that. Let's talk about uh, rapid consumption, um, because you talk in your book about uh, moving too fast. And actually, I found it really interesting. You talked about a slow fashion movement, which I didn't even know existed. So share that with us. Uh, well, you know, the, as soon as I started organizing, I saw that a big part of the problem was that people just bought too much. Because sometimes I'd go, I'd help somebody, we'd make their closet or whatever it was look great, and then I'd come back and they'd have bought more. And I thought, but but you had so much and we got it to fit beautifully and you let go of a lot and now you've bought more. But we really, and it makes it, you know, our internet shopping and how cheap things are, there's so many ways in which everything is just you know, too fast and too easy. So I got interested in this topic, and I've done more and more reading. And uh, there's, uh, I've read a few really great books about fashion. Um, there's one called Overdressed, um, and another one, uh, I think it's called Fast Fashion. Anyhow, about how, you know, clothing has gotten so inexpensive, how many more pieces of clothing we have for how much smaller percentage of our income than, you know, three generations ago. So I, as I researched this, I found out about slow fashion, you know, having things that are, you know, cost more but uh, are less harmful to the environment and you're more invested in. So, I, you know, I'm really interested in slowing everything down because, you know, a lot of my clients just buy things without thinking it through. And I say, let's, let's well, invest more in it and think about it longer and be more careful. So you mentioned um, in your book um, about someone who had this urge to buy clothes on the Internet all the time, and she created a book. I love this title. It was called A Bunch of Pretty Things I Did Uh, Not Buy. That is (laughs) I think it's her name. It's a great book, and it's, it's a little book. She's an artist. So what she did was she drew the things she wanted to buy, and then she wrote about it. And sometimes it was because this reminded me of a dress that I had this summer. I was 16, and I had this magical summer. And I think that the reason I want this dress is it looks like a dress that I had that summer. But, you know, I was 16 then, and now I'm 35 or what, you know. So she sort of wrote herself off the ledge. But she created this beautiful little book, which is a gem. Uh, so, you know, and, and it also, we're not alone. We're not alone when when we want to shop. I mean, I want to shop, but I, I resist all the time. I actually sometimes will post on my uh, Twitter feed, you know, when I've wanted to buy something and I've resisted and I post what I wanted to do and how I resisted and then I put hashtag resist 
because sometimes it's just all over. Everywhere you turn, they're trying to sell you something. And, you know, kids are terrible. They're so susceptible to it. They really want it all, and you have to say no, 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 and be the mean parent, and it's awful, but it's the right thing. So, I, so I'm thinking I should make a Pinterest board of pretty clothes that I'd like uh, to get. That's a and great, then great idea. Move, yeah, and then move them over to resist. Yes. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yes, that's a great idea. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, we just, you know, we want it so fast. I Sometimes I'll say that I know when there's a problem in a client's house, when I go and there are things that are still in the bags, because it's kind of like the thrill was the, the purchasing, and they don't even really need them. You know, when I finally let myself get something, I get excited, I cut off all the tags, I hang it up, you know, because I don't do it that often. But, you know, for somebody who's sort of overbuying, they just buy it and that's the thrill. And then it just sits in the shopping bag. Mm-hmm. So I, I will share. I've had one little success with this because my problem was not clothes. My problem was books. Okay, (laughs) And when I built my new house, okay, which is not so new anymore, I I mean, we put, it's sick. I mean, it really is an illness. I mean, we we have a two-story library in our house, plus my husband has shelves, and I have shelves of my study, and, and it got ridiculous. So when we started to run out of room, and we were putting books on the floor, I said, that's it. I'm right. going to the library. <laughs> I, I do it. Now I go to the library almost every week, and I haven't bought right. a book in a long, long time. That's you really know. great. Yeah. 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 Also, that yeah, brings you up do. Yeah. Books are hard. It's, it's great, and you save so much money. And uh, But, you know, it brings up another section of my book, which is the idea of a boundary, because I talk about... Mm-hmm how when you set a limit, whether it's your dresser, whether you weed your clothes down to where they fit in your dresser in your closet, and you say, okay, this many and that's enough. And the minute your dresser starts getting full, that's a clue to you to weed again. So the minute your bookshelves start getting full, you know, you say, okay, I have to weed. And the same thing with your file cabinet or your kid's toy bin, whatever it is. If you have, you know, if you've sort of figured it out so you have a reasonable amount of storage, then the minute it starts getting bursting at the seams, you've got to spend a few minutes weeding. Mm-hmm. Amanda, we would love to continue talking to you. This has been really great, but give us, we have to go. So give us your contact information. Great. So uh, my website is theperfectdaughter.com. And on uh, Twitter, I am Uptown Amanda. And uh, let's see, what else? Uh, Facebook, it's The Perfect Daughter. Um, so uh, great. Thank you so much. Um, oh, well, thank you. Like Once again, it's Amanda Sullivan, Organized Enough, The Anti-Perfectionist Guide to Getting and Staying Organized. It's a great book. I so, think you can get it on your Kindle. Ah, great. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. See, okay. you don't have to buy the book. Yeah, there's thank, more, or you're not. More thank, you. Thank, thank you so much. Take care. So, Bye. You too. So our my takeaway for today is how much pressure do we actually put on ourselves and is it really necessary? So I always ask you to do just one thing for yourself. And your one thing this week is to choose just one thing in your life. That doesn't have to be so perfect. One thing you could get rid of. One habit you could begin thinking about changing. One item you could get rid of. One draw, just a draw, not a whole chest, just a draw that you could possibly declutter that would make you feel better. So it's just one thing. And we really want to hear from you what you're doing so we can share it with others. So we could share it, Deanna, on our Caught Between Generations page. So they can go to caughtbetweengenerations.com 
and they can click on email Dr. Merrill, or they can just email Dr. Merrill at Dr. Merrill at caughtbetweengenerations.com or go to our Facebook page. They could go there and go, um, is it Caught Between Generations and leave us a comment under the show notes. Okay, that's great. Just one thing for yourself because you know how important you are and share that one thing with us this week. We really want to hear from you. Have a great week and take care. Thank you for tuning in to Caught Between Generations with Dr. Mel Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.